0: Why the Beatles? You mentioned earlier, Eric, that when you were growing up, you really loved the Beatles and they were kind of like your best friends, but why?
1: Well, that's a great place to start. To me, the Beatles are the most indicative. What their body of work, in my view, illustrates is a trajectory of maturation. You know, you're beginning with, I want to hold your hand, and some very basic early developmental ideation consciousness that rapidly matures and the book is about that and about what was going on spiritually as part of this maturation to be more loving and connected internally and to steady our own ship so to speak this is a very common part of spiritual awakening is the realization that it's up to the individual it's up to self-love, it's up to connection, it's up to being more resourced internally to heal uh, loneliness, to heal uh, a sense of disconnection. We find that through introspective and contemplative means. And my sense is that they were connecting in with other dimensions or layers of consciousness and they were conduits of music and message and they were just a part of something bigger than them that they were more or less in my view kind of almost like nerve endings to a larger, a brain. larger brain ooh i like that image
2: the world is brown. Turn on your earbuds, relax and listen to the spiritual
0: dimension of the beatles All right. Welcome to the first episode of the Spiritual Dimension of the Beatles. I'm Glenn Ostland, and you are?
1: I'm Eric Myers.
0: And tonight we're going to introduce ourselves. We're going to tell you what this podcast is going to be about. So, who are we, Eric? You want to start? Who we're here because we? of you. We're, we are here because of <laughs> You're you. You're going to blame it on me? Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so why don't you introduce yourself? Tell everybody like, who you are, what your background mm. is. Just, just a real quick, quick and dirty
1: Yeah, my name's Eric Myers and um, I'm an astrologer and a counselor and um, you know, for as far as the Beatles go, um, it's been a lifelong love. I got into them at a very young age and they were my best friend for many years of my upbringing. And then I went away and learned all various other things and individuated and had all these other interests. And then they've always been there, though. And then I circled back in a really big way about four years ago now and synthesized, you know, a lot of the other um, stops on the trek, mainly spirituality, astrology, metaphysics, and kind of came full circle and synthesized all those threads into this project, which kind of got a life of its own as I started working on it. So I, um, I've got a master's degree in what's called transpersonal counseling psychology from Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado. And, uh, and I've been in the mental health field for many years. I, I did that uh, prior to doing astrology full-time. And so my background has been uh, counseling. And then I've been pretty much full-time with astrology now for a while. And um, and this Beatles direction is pretty new. I've written other books that were more philosophical, conceptual, just strictly astrological.
0: Yeah. How many how many books have you written?
1: Uh, technically, I've written six, although the first one I'm not really promoting. That was kind of learning how to be a writer. Yeah. Um, so I promoted, you know, five of them.
0: And you were starting anyway. to write another book on astrology about three years ago and said eh, what if i wrote about the Beatles?"
1: well that's what happened is yeah. i actually wrote about 80 percent of this other book called seasons of the moon mm. which is mainly about what's called the progressed moon and looking at it in various different ways especially uh through declination and very exciting material and stuff i I love and I've worked into my practice for years and it's extremely compelling and resonant. But while I was writing that book, I, I had a moment where I needed to find a chart example. So I went to my database and looked at all the people in my database. I saw Paul McCartney's chart. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'll use him for an example. And then I was looking at McCartney's chart and uh, it happened real quick. It was like the surreal moment where I had the, proverbial epiphany it was like boom i need to write a book on the beatles and so i'm like yeah you know let me refamiliarize myself with their charts so i got up the other beatles charts and i started to look at it all and i started to get some uh, neural activity forming all these ideas and connections and before you knew it after about 15 20 minutes of just casually looking i was totally committed i'm like I think I need to start it right now. So I put the other book aside. And that day I began working on what's now the spiritual dimension of the Beatles before it was called the astrology of the Beatles. But then I decided to rewrite the thing to be more accessible to both a mainstream audience and an astrology audience. And that's Mm -hmm. why it's taken so long. Um, So I just knew, I just knew I had to do it. It just spoke to me. And now I have this other book that will be pretty easy to complete. Cause I, I wrote 80% of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So the spiritual dimension of the Beatles, it's not available yet. We're doing no. the podcast kind of preparatory to when you're going to release the book, probably in early 2021. Is that right?
1: I'm thinking I'm doing the editing now as we're recording here close to September and that's going to be in the next few months. And, uh, and then hopefully release it, uh, I'm thinking, February
0: next yeah, year. Cool. So so listeners of the podcast, um, you're going to get a sneak peek. And viewers, because we're also on YouTube, uh, you'll get a sneak peek. And you'll also get to see some of the charts that Eric talks about as we go through uh, the the astrology of the Beatles and the spiritual dimension of the Beatles. So that, that's Eric. Let me tell you a little bit about me. So I'm, I was just about
1: to ask that. <laughs>
0: yeah, so I'm, I'm Glenn. I'm Glenn Ostland, and I have a master's degree and almost a PhD. I mean, I went, I went through with the whole PhD program and was writing a dissertation. And then halfway through, I'm like, eh, I'm, I'm not going to finish this. And so I didn't. In folklore and mythology from Indiana University. And uh, I focused on religious folklore, specifically Mormon folklore, because I grew up as a Mormon. Um, I got really interested, by the way, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, but in the Paul is Dead uh, rumors and all of the clues, uh, supposedly, that were in the, the albums and backmasking and things like that. was the cover of Abbey Road that started it all. As you look at the four Beatles, you'll notice that Paul is the only one out of step to draw attention to Paul. Also, Paul is the only one barefoot, which allegedly is how people are buried in several countries. I started when I was teaching folklore as a graduate student. I would share this example, the Paula's dead stuff with my students and semester after semester, I added to it and added to it. And I ended up creating a video that was pretty popular on YouTube for a while until YouTube started getting more strict about copyright infringement stuff. And now it's banned everywhere, (laughs) but, but for a while um, it was out there. And and if, if anybody's interested in seeing it, it's still online, it's just not on YouTube. So they could uh, contact us at spiritual. Do we have an email address yet? Do we? Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll have we'll have probably <laughs> spiritualbeetles at gmail.com. I think that's the email address that I got for us. But um, yeah, I can make that available if people want to know. For the last uh, eight years, I've been doing a podcast called Infants on Thrones. And um, as a result, that's where I've learned how to be kind of a wizard when it comes to editing. And I just, I love that part of podcasting. So this is going to be a really nicely polished Really well produced podcast because um, that's that's the part of podcasting that I love the most. And then I yeah. I also recently wrote a book called Bathing with God that is being uh, released as a podcast as well. Each chapter of that book and then some other things, and that goes into more of the spiritual part of me and my background. But you know, Infants on Throne started as a bunch of atheists. You know, like me and several friends we had become disaffected with our Mormon upbringing. And we were just making fun of Mormonism. And then over the course of eight years of this podcast, I started getting more interested in spirituality and understanding what that really means and the psychology of it. I I don't really know much about astrology, but I met Eric about a year and a half ago from a mutual friend. And um, we both share this, this interest in the Beatles in common so we've come together to create this podcast but but right, right now right come together we did it over <laughs> over the internet um so uh why the beatles you, you mentioned earlier eric that when you were growing up you really loved the beatles and they were kind of like your best friends but I'm like why? why why not the, the doors or uh, the rolling stones or you know ELO
1: Well, that's a great place to start. And um, I would say that to me, the Beatles are the most iconic, universal, famous. Um, They are um, indicative what their body of work, in my view, illustrates that those other bands do not is a trajectory of maturation. Um, You know, you're beginning with, I want to hold your hand and some very basic early developmental um, ideation, consciousness that rapidly matures, um, almost in a baffling way of how rapid it did mature. I
0: think through the Beatle experience, we'd had we'd grown so many years within a short period of time
1: and and the book is about that and about what was going on spiritually as part of this maturation and my sense is that they were connecting in with other dimensions or layers of consciousness and they were conduits and of music and message and um they were just a part of something bigger than them, mm-hmm. that they were more or less, in my view, kind of almost like nerve endings to a larger brain.
0: Ooh, I like that image.
1: And uh, and their songs uh, illustrate a phenomenal trajectory, and we're going to talk about this uh, later. What is uh, going to be framed as the arc of awakening, which just it rises up. To the peak of insight on the proverbial mountaintop and then it comes down and brings it back to ground and back to the everyday and back to reality and that's the whole theme of the book and their trajectory was about spiritual awakening and then integration and application into an embodied Spirituality. So, see, but you, but you liked
0: the Beatles before you were interested in spirituality, right? Because you because you you loved the Beatles when you were a kid. You didn't get into spirituality. But I didn't get it 20s. when I was a kid. You, but you got something. There was something about the Beatles that was. Oh, I
1: love them like everyone else does because yeah. the music is fun well, and catchy,
0: and- like I, I've been in groups of friends where like people really hate the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it shocks me. I, I'm still friends with them, but uh, yeah yeah so so what was it? It was their their humor
1: what'd you say? Why did I love them as a kid? No yeah. I just you know I love the music. it, it just um mm. you know oh here's one thing I'll say about my participation with this podcast. Mm. Uh, I wrote the book very objective, neutral. I wasn't introducing any of my own opinions or bias or anything about me it was I, I wrote the book very very consciously in a neutral way. But for this podcast, I'm going to decide I'm going to be more of myself. Yeah, good. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to be afraid to speak of what I like or even what I don't care for at times, which is not that much. But I almost know, mentioned be... love
0: me do when you were talking about <laughs> I want to hold your hand. I, I can't stand love me do.
1: I and actually I, I like skip it song. all the time. Yeah. La, la, la. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to be myself here. But I will say uh, so I'll get over my hesitation to mention my favorite. My favorite album is Sgt. Pepper.
0: Yeah.
1: So when I was a little kid, I was born in uh, 1971. And so my parents uh, already had the Beatles albums. So this is the original Sgt. Pepper. And it's, you know, kind of rough. It's, uh, you know, over 50 years old. Wow. But it's the original one that my parents bought um, back in the 60s. And so this actual album And some of us, of course, remember record
0: players,
1: (laughs) uh, which aren't used that frequently today. But um, that's what I did, is I pulled the thing out and I played this actual record, you know, over and over, this actual one, and it was, uh, it just spoke to me. Uh, Particularly uh, the songs uh, Being For the Benefit of Mr. Kite. For
2: the benefit of Mr. Kite
1: and Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds Diamonds. were the two songs that kind of spoke to me most. And I didn't realize why until I wrote this book. And those two songs um, have a spiritual dimension that's part of them that I don't wanna give it all away, but it's pretty mind blowing and even has a lot of metaphysical uh, correlations that something was speaking to me, um, maybe some kind of connection with this music um, that wasn't ripe when I was young, but then it did become ripe now that I'm middle-aged and, uh, and here we are 40 something years later.
0: Yeah.
1: I finally understand it, but um, it was just so resonant for me. And then the other albums came in later um, And uh, my parents had a few albums, and then I bought the rest of them on my own, you know, and just was a huge Beatles fan, you know, before being a teenager. So Glenn, let me ask you about your interest in the Beatles. Uh, Tell us, yeah.
0: (laughs) You know, the first time I ever heard a Beatles song, it was the Chipmunks. It was like the Chipmunks (laughs) version of I Want to Hold Your Hand and She Loves You. (laughs) I just loved it. I'd I listened to that and I was probably four years old or three years, you know, something like, like you were, and I was born in 1972. So I'm a little bit younger than you are. Um, but we're, we're kind of old guys um, when it comes to that. Um, anyway, uh, w- when I was uh, a freshman in high school, I ran for freshman class president and I, <laughs> this is really embarrassing, but I, I took twist and shout. And I did so shake it up Aztecs! now, because that was our high school mascot vote for me. <laughs> and <laughs> come on, come on, come on. I didn't win. It was really embarrassing. It was also after Ferris Bueller had come out. And so, you know, yeah. that song was kind of popular. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: when, when I was a, a junior, I, I, uh, uh, auditioned to be the mascot, the school mascot, which was an Aztec, uh, an Aztec that had like a big head that I put over my head. And, so I did kind of like a lip sync to you know my name, look up the number. <laughs> Which nobody really knew, but you know, there's that that thing at the end that goes, Hey, uh, hey, hey, hey go, ho, ho, ho. Yeah. and I thought that would be pretty good once I put the Aztec head on and, and did it. And I did get that. So I got to be the mascot. and That was pretty fun. And um, yeah, I mentioned the Paula's dead stuff. I got interested in that and um created this video and I, I don't, I just always, I have always loved the Beatles. I've always connected with them. I think my first favorite song of the Beatles themselves, not the chipmunks was, um, uh, got to get you into my life. I just, I just loved it. just thought it was great. So yeah, that, that's my thing with the Beatles and in every group of friends, I've always been, the, the biggest Beatles fan and known the most Beatles trivia, but I don't think I compare to you, Eric. I think you kick my ass when it comes to, like, what you know well, about the Beatles compared to what I mean,
1: I what about. I did for this book project is um, you know, prior to this, I in my life, I love you more. Um, <laughs> but prior in my life, I um. I did read a few Beatles books over the years. I've always been interested. I, I, I read bios on Lennon. I read uh, some book called Ticket to Ride and a few others.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, just to get more of the background detail, um, I, I read about 40, maybe 50 Beatles books in for this writing project. Um, so what I brought to it was 40 plus years of Beatles fandom. Then all of this astrological research which has been pretty obsessive and then reading all these Beatles books that are just sitting right there on that chair over there um for this you know just to be up on the literature uh for uh, the writing of this book you know um did, I wanted to, to be maximally in.
0: go ahead did you read read uh, Tuned In by Mark Lewison
1: oh yeah yeah Lewison is, is
0: amazing
1: yeah he's pretty much the number one uh scholar yeah. Of, of Beatles uh, areas. He's a uh, widely respected. And so I pretty much read everything Lewison uh, mm-hmm. came out with and many, many other books. I, I wanted to be up on the literature yeah. if I was going to write a book on the Beatles. Right. Um, so those are the three streams, my own fandom, the astrology and the literature. Yeah. So,
0: so, so talk about astrology a little bit because you know, I'm, I'm an astrology novice. I have my own kind of idea of what it is. I, I I think well I'll I'll talk about my my uh, relationship with astrology in a minute. Let's hear yours. Let, let, let let's get an overview of what astrology. Yeah,
1: is. you know um, I was an enormous skeptic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, in fact, uh, when I was young, so
2: much younger than today.
1: I was real into science and psychology, and I went through you know quite an atheist phase. Um, I was a very passionate skeptic, and I wanted to argue with, with anyone into astrology uh, for many years. Um, and then in my early to mid-20s, I went through quite a process of um, transformation, um, a lot of uh, people and events and ideas uh, came into my life. I know I'll often stop and, think about them. and I went through uh, a revolution that opened me up. Um, I just so many. you. You're, make dropping, a
0: you know, you're dropping so many Beatles titles. You're like, when I was younger, <laughs> so much. It's all unintentional.
1: It's, you know, all <laughs> it's, it's funny because since I've been writing this book, which the um, Epiphany was, was. Um, right around uh, New Year's of 16 going into 17. Mm. And so about three and a half years ago. And the way I've described my life since then is one giant Beatles vortex of synchronicity. Nice. It's like everywhere I go, I see it, I make connections. It's all of these, uh, you know, synchronicities are just popping up. And then my, my language. Yeah. And I've just been, you know, so immersed in this obsessively uh, for, for a few years. Um, so anyway, what am I talking about? The, uh, I don't,
0: you said revolution. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. And that's, what, that's through, what did it for me. Yeah. I went through my own revolution in my mid-20s. Yeah. And uh, I became much more open to the metaphysical. I dropped out of a mainstream psychology program. And I went to Naropa to study transpersonal psychology, which is basically spiritual Psychology, and then immediately I got into astrology because I was already blown open uh, prior to that for a few years. So I'm like, okay, let's see what that's about. And then I started to study it, and it started to speak to me in a really, really big way. But the way it spoke to me, I found, was slightly different than the way that it's generally discussed in and packaged in the mainstream. And so I have developed my own relationship to it, um, bringing in um, all those other threads that I was studying. I was bringing in science, uh, bringing in um, psychology, bringing in uh, metaphysics and ideas about spiritual awakening that were really speaking to me at that time. And so I've really developed uh, my own relationship to it um, over the last 20 something years. Um, so in some ways it was helpful. That I went away and was skeptical and, and learned all these other things. Um, so I can bring that kind of back and also to bring that back to the Beatles. So this project for me has almost been like a, a homecoming, a reunion, which yeah. is a theme of a book, actually, yeah. um, of a sense of reunion, which I'll let hanging and I'll explain at some other show. <laughs> Um, but that's what it's been for me with my early home life, with my family. You know, my, my parents gave me this when I was home uh, at Thanksgiving uh, because they know how much it meant to me. And, and so the roots, which is the theme of the Beatles, uh, they have a cancer son for their group chart. Um, and I'm a cancer son myself. And the, uh, the focus on uh, early childhood, family, um getting back in touch with our roots is a theme of the Beatles and for me too. And so I, I have just found a lot of resonance with their story and what their message is about. So, so
0: can, can you tell me what is astrology? Just like, like, as if I don't know anything at all, you, you gotta, well, you gotta keep it simple. The,
1: th- the thing about it is that it's not one thing. There's so many different Ah, uh, perspectives, so many different uses. Um, you know technically, astrology is what's going on, you know, in the sky. <laughs> you know you've got astronomy, and astrology would be um, you know based on that. You think of astronomy being more left brain. The facts and figures are what's going on, and astrology would be more the right brain. The subjective, personal, spiritual meaning. Of your relationship to the cosmos um, around us. And so, you know, people might look at it as a symbolic system. Uh, I look at it as that, but also I think it's an energetic system. I think we have an actual relationship to the sun and to the moon and to these other planets. I don't think it's just symbols on a page. Um, I feel differently when I'm in the sunshine in the middle of summer than in the darkness in the middle of winter, there's a different energetic quality to the seasons, to the energies of these planets. Um, So I believe we have a relationship in nature and that, and if we understand that we're intelligent and we are, uh, originate from nature, wouldn't it make sense that nature itself would be intelligent and a reflection of us. And so uh, in astrology you hear as above, so below, which is kind of the concordance between the realm, the metaphysical and the everyday, that there is a relationship uh, that we have with the cosmos. Um, The issue of course, is that the history of astrology has threads of um, predetermination or looking at things that we are puppets on strings or we're being controlled or everything is is written in stone, which my approach and many others is absolutely no. Uh, We have- So you're not
0: doing any fortune telling when (laughs) you do astrology. Uh,
1: No, and I've been on quite the soapbox against that for many years. Um, My view is that we have a co-creation a co-creative relationship with astrology, just like you do with your genes. You know, Um, you're going to be, you know, a male who is five foot, whatever you are of this age and this vision needing glasses and everything else about you. You have a genetic makeup, but you can do whatever you want with your own free will, the way you partner with your genetic makeup. So just because you have a a genetic makeup doesn't predetermine all of your behavior choices. Right. And astrology is the same thing. It's at a broader archetypal level. You know, I'm a cancer. I can do whatever I want with that. Yeah. Uh, many things qualify. It's an attunement to emotions. You can do it brightly, you can do it darkly, you can do it in any way you see fit. But, you know, it's a curriculum of learning about emotional intelligence. And in fact, that's what I was studying in this uh, other graduate program i actually was studying emotional intelligence mm. before i even knew about really astrology too much before i dived into it so we're going to do things consistent with our attunement so when we understand astrology it just makes it more conscious so we can navigate you know being in on the game rather than you know in the dark
0: i, I like that comparison to our genetics I've, I've never i've never heard of that before thought of it like that before but you know i I've gotten really interested in this idea. There, there's, a, there's a theoretical physicist named David Tong who is at Cambridge University. And maybe a year or two ago, I saw this lecture that he did on YouTube that was called uh, Quantum Field Theory, the Building Blocks
2: of Reality or something like that. Tonight, I'd like to tell you about one of the big questions in science. What are we made of? What are the fundamental building blocks of nature that you, and me, and everything else in the universe are constructed. (laughs) So we have three particles of which everything we know is made. And it's, it's worth stressing, that's kind of astonishing. You know, it's, uh, we sort of take it for granted. We learn this in school, we don't really think about it deeply. Everything we see in the world, all the diversity in the natural world, you, me, ev- everything around us, just the same three particles with slightly different rearrangements repeated over and over and over again. It's a very nice picture. It's a very comforting picture. It's the picture we teach kids at school. It's the uh, picture we even teach our students in undergraduate university. And there's a problem with it. It's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie. So there is spread everywhere throughout this room something that we call the electron field. It's like a fluid that fills this room and in fact fills the entire universe. And the ripples of this electron fluid, the ripples of uh, the waves of this fluid get tied into little bundles of energy by the rules of quantum mechanics. And those bundles of energy are what we call the particle, the electron. All the electrons that are in your body are not fundamental. All the electrons that exist in your body are waves of the same underlying field. Okay, we're all connected to each other. It's like you know, the waves uh, on the ocean all belong to the, the same underlying ocean. Uh, the electrons in your body are the s- ripples of the same field as the electrons in my body. The, same field, as the, the same field as the electrons in your body. And, and he talked about how
0: every electron, every quark, every bit of energy that's in our body, we're taught that it's these separate little things that spin around a, a nucleus. But actually, it's part of one energy field. Every electron in my body is connected to every electron in your body and everywhere in the universe. So, so that's this scientist that's saying this is what our best peer-reviewed science is telling us about the nature of reality. It's energy. We're all connected to each other. And... And so if you're talking about genetics, we're talking about DNA, these are little bundles of energy (laughs) that are inside of our body that have been arranged in certain ways to give, um, I don't know, how, how, how would you say um, your genetic predispositions? But I like the way that you said it, it doesn't mean that it's predetermining how you're going to behave. It just kind of gives you like this range of possible behaviors or responses or yeah. Attunement to the environment around you. So, so that's, that's this energy that we each have inside of our bodies, but there's also all this energy in the, the fabric of the cosmos around us. And so if you're looking at astrology of like, what, where was I born at what time and what day, where were the planets at this point, I heard Alan Watts. I, I'm a big fan of Alan Watts. And I heard him say once that astrology was kind of like the, the blueprint of who you are as an expression of the universe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Cause if you think about, uh, the analogy that um, I use often, as many other people do too, certainly not new to me, is the acorn uh, grows into the full-grown tree.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and that's a metaphor for spiritual awakening. And that runs throughout the book, The Spiritual Dimension of the Beatles. And nature is intelligent. There is, the acorn has within it um an intelligence of how it might grow into the tree. It doesn't grow into, you know, a carrot. Uh, It doesn't grow into a human. It has a certain unfolding and a certain kind of intelligence about it. And so I believe nature is intelligent. Yeah. And, And astrology reveals that intelligence And so we're partnering with something that is intelligent. And so our spiritual awakening, our path, the most uh, conscious and mature version of our charts, um, you can look at as almost like that blueprint. Yeah. Whether or not we grow into it is undetermined. That's our hand that we play. So the analogy I use all the time is astrology is – analogous to the car and you're the driver and you're going to drive the car skillfully or not maturely or not the car doesn't indicate how it's going to be driven and so part of the legacy of astrology the way that i've seen it discussed and used is that everything is found on the chart and that is a depiction of what will happen and when it will happen and we more or less go along and astrology will tell us, you know, what's ahead. That's the way many people use it. I disagree profoundly. I think that we can sabotage the soul intentions. I think any person has free will. They can choose to commit suicide if they want. And so in many types of astrology, people look to the chart for the answers of how the drive is going to go. And uh, my view is it's up to the chart owner. It's up to the driver how it goes. The answers are not found on the chart. The questions are found on the chart. And it's up to us to co-create and live consciously and get the outcomes that we would like to see. Um, Now, this also parallels uh, the message of the Beatles, um, is that the early catalog um, was all about trying to attain external guidance, support, love, affection from something outside. That's where the answers are for loneliness. I'm going to receive love. I'm going to receive connection. Um, I'm going to have these positive experiences um, by my connection with what's outside of me. And then what the book is about um, is a process of, of turning that outside in and finding the inner light and that the answers are within us, us. are within us
2: Without going out of my door I can know things on earth Without looking out of my window I can know the ways of
1: and it's up to us to um, to clarify uh, our direction, to be more loving and connected internally, and to steady our own ship, so to speak. Um, and so, um, this is a very common part of spiritual awakening: um, is the realization that um, it's up to the individual. It's up to um, self love. It's up to connection. It's up to um, being more resourced internally um, to heal uh, loneliness, to heal uh, a sense of disconnection. We find that through introspective and contemplative means. And so the Beatles uh, represented that. Um, they retreated from the adulation, from the limelight. And at the same time that they retreated is when they began to write many songs that are consistent with what I'm saying. Um, And that, you know, like I said before, typifies this process of spiritual awakening. And so astrology itself, in my view, is learning that the answers aren't outside of us. The answers aren't on the chart. It's in you. It's up to you. And 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 yet the chart does show like this trajectory.
0: Like you talked about this arc of awakening before, and I know yeah. you know we're not going to get into it a lot right here, but the thing, one of the things that I'm really excited about um, doing this podcast with you, Eric, is is learning more about astrology, and and especially learning more about the relationship between the Beatles and their work, and what that map, that blueprint of their astrology individually, their their astro- combined astrology as a group, what that was saying, how that that lines up with what you're talking about here with, with going from um, immaturity, like spiritual immaturity to spiritual maturity. Um, Where do you see that in their astrology? And I know that's really what your, your book is about how it maps onto it. I'm excited to to see more about. Yeah. I mean,
1: they couldn't have written it. I couldn't have designed it myself any better (laughs) for, uh, for revealing this process. I mean, I was astounded uh, because I never sat down and read all the lyrics to all the songs before this project. I just listened to them. I just knew like most people, but I didn't actually read them all. But if you sit down and read all of the songs and look at them chronologically, it, it's incredibly revealing. And I pointed out in the book, obviously, Um, But it's almost like this step-by-step process of spiritual maturation from album to album, uh, which is phenomenal um, that they were able to do this whole thing in seven years. I mean, the first album was 63. The last album was 1970, um, even though it was made in 69, it came out in 70, but roughly seven years of, uh, of showing this process. And so it was um, during the 60s with the astrology that was going on was almost um, bringing this to hyperdrive. It's it's almost like this uh, um, microwaving the process into seven years that usually takes 70 years for for most people to mature like this. Um, But they were able to put out a whole catalog of, of songs that really typify um, a step-by-step process of, of spiritual maturation and and integration because the beginning is, you know, the awakening from the immaturity. Then the peak in the middle years was the real insightful, inspired, intuitive stuff. And then in the late years is the application back to the everyday. Um, How do we exist in an embodied spirituality dealing with business issues or relationships or John getting divorced or other things of the real world um, is the integration. So one of the criticisms of uh, people who talk about spirituality is, oh, you know, it's a flight into light, the new agey stuff. It's, you know, we're not here to just, you know, fly away and go on flights of intuitive fancy. We're here to be on the ground. Absolutely, that is the point of the book. It's about raising consciousness and integrating and it back into reality. And so, where we end up uh, is about an embodied spirituality, not about just you know, ee, you know, yeah. flying around.
0: Yeah, let me tell you let me tell you what what that means to me. So I I read a book a couple of months ago called Letting Go by David Hawkins. And what for, for me, that's really what embodied spirituality means, what he discusses. He has he introduces this idea called the map of consciousness, and it's really a hierarchy of emotions with like grief and fear being at the low end and anger and pride and then like you get to a point of courage which is a tipping point and then from courage you can become more neutral you know about what things happen Um, you can become more um, joyful and ultimately unconditionally loving and so the reason the book is called letting go is if you're finding yourself stuck in these lower vibrations of energy what 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 are you doing what can you let go of to raise up to unconditional love. And and so when you're talking about like going from a place of spiritual immaturity, I'm thinking, okay, somebody who's like stuck in apathy or grief or, you know, like things like that. And then they mature to a point of love. And I see that, that that's my experience when I look at okay, those.
1: I want, well, first one comment yeah is uh, probably uh, let it be was taken. So you have to use that. Let it go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> totally. Let it be. Yeah, let it be yeah, ab- but the absolutely other, yeah.
1: I do want to make a really important point. Yeah. Is when we talk about things that are less mature, mm-hmm. um, that in no way is a judgment. Mm-hmm. It's it's not looking at that as being negative.
0: Right.
1: I, I say this to clients pretty much every single day of my life, and I have had for decades, is that it's totally fine and beautiful. And the way it's set up to begin less mature, just like you begin as a infant and toddler and there's a developmental process. And so, um, you know, what I find all the time with my client work is people who have the ideation, I should have known better. I should Mm -hmm. have been more mature. And I'm like, no, that's like saying to a five-year-old, you should be running a corporation by now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: No, you don't need to run a corporation when you're five years old. You need to be five years old. And so there's no judgment that less developed or mature is less favorable or negative. Um, it's just more the acorn before yeah. it grows into the tree. And it's totally beautiful to be yeah. less developed and immature. It's But we are in a process of maturation, just like, you know, we grow up into adults.
0: Yeah. And, and when, when I think about spiritual maturity, I I think about like really for myself, if, if there's something saying, Oh, I should have been this, or I should have done this, that, that to me is an expression of like grief or, or shame or or something like that. Uh, Regret. Where, Where, yeah, regret where I could reframe that to say, Oh, I really learned this from that experience, and I'm very grateful for it. And and it it's taken me a, a long time in my life to be able to look at things that way and go, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out how to find the gratitude in this, and really love unconditionally everything that's happened to me in my life and everybody around, it, instead of judging it as being this exactly. negative awful thing that's holding me down and holding me back. Um, but and and I I love that acorn to uh, a, a what is an oak tree analogy that that, whatever type of tree doesn't matter growing from the seed to the tree um that that progression and uh, yeah and
1: that's the message i have too is that um is acceptance love yeah compassion forgiveness ownership is that it's set up that we're going to be less mature yeah and so to accept that and even love it rather than judge it or try to get away from it is yeah. my message. And and I believe, you know, it's one of the threads of the Beatles book, too, is that reunion with love, with self, not looking outside for it, but finding it within was the trajectory that they um, represented. And, and that's consistent with this idea.
0: Yeah. And, and the reason I brought that up, you were talking about kind of like the airy fairy new agey stuff, which I don't, I don't want to judge that either, but I, be, because of my nature, I couldn't get into a spirituality that was just that, like there's got to be some kind of practical everyday benefit. And that's what I found in that letting go book um, that, Oh, I understand how this could have a practical impact in my life. It's yeah. Very and rational.
1: And to to bring in a little astrology on it for a minute is that the different planetary energies um, convey different facets around our spiritual connection. Uh, For instance, Neptune would be the planet that's most new agey about, you know, it's unconditional love and compassion and dreams and, you know, meditation and things that are uplifting or more transcendent. That's part of spirituality. But so is Pluto, and Pluto has to do with psychology, shadow work, deepening into the underworld, and doing deep soul cleansing processes for catharsis and release. That's important too. Um, You also have Uranus, which uh, correlates with astrology itself and having a conceptual overview of things that are metaphysical. Then you've got Saturn, which is more about tangible things, the, when the rubber meets the road, how we apply it uh, to the everyday, um, pragmatically, that's relevant and Jupiter is about philosophy and spiritual direction and that's part of it too. So very often uh, people look at one of these things, but I promote a more holistic embrace that all of those are part of spirituality yeah. uh, in different ways.
0: Yeah. And, and I think it's worth noting as we're kind of talking about skepticism and spirituality together, that the Beatles were quite spiritual themselves.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, is that one of my inhibitions about doing all of this is running into a lot of um, blowback from people who may not agree with um, with spirituality. Um and saying that this is, you know, putting on uh, another layer that wasn't actually there or something along those lines. But it was there and they were very, very consciously and actively promoting spirituality. In fact, of course, they went to India yeah. and were the major um, media, um, you know, kind of phenomenon that was promoting uh, spirituality into the collective consciousness in the late 60s um, blatantly overtly spiritual now many songs too you know are uh, very clearly um, having a spiritual message that is within there um, within them and without them
2: and the time will come when you see when Yes, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs>
1: you and I are going to get in trouble a lot when I can get away with anything. But that song is one example of it. That is yeah. a very blatantly spiritual message. In fact, that that song uh, lines up astrologically as their message. And yeah. we'll we'll do a, probably later a whole show on just that song. It's that yeah. important. And and I'll say for me personally. It's, I, I talk about that song as a Rorschach test in, mm. in the book because it will reflect your own consciousness. When I was a kid and I didn't get spirituality and I listened to Sgt. Pepper,
0: Yeah.
1: I would skip it. I would yeah. turn the record over to, to, to side two and skip the first song because I didn't like that song. Yeah. And now I would put that song in my top ten. Yeah. of Beatles songs I love. And we're talking over 200 songs. I mean, that's the transformation I've, I've been through and many other people. Um, okay, people might say, that's fine, spiritual. What about astrology? Uh, the Beatles really didn't do much with astrology. Well, actually they did. Um, the Beatles had an in-house astrologer in the Apple location that they hired as part of their staff. Um, now, I read an article that said that John didn't like the advice the astrologer gave him and, and fired him. Um, but they did hire an astrologer, and that was part of them. And uh, George was the most immersed in the subject matter. Um, he was a student of astrology, and he actually um, went to get his chart rectified um, because he was you know, concerned about accuracy. Uh, Paul mentions astrology in relationship to his song, Hello, Goodbye, that he's a Gemini son and the song plays on duality um, like Gemini, Paul has said that in in interviews. Um, Johns uh, wasn't really um, actively during the Beatles time as an astrologer, but he got involved with Yoko and Yoko has been um, interested in astrology for, for decades and decades. And from my reading of the literature, um she brought it into their relationship and it was part of their connection Mm. um so it was part of john's life as well so a ringo i'm not so sure if there's not as much written about it but he was always open to everything you know it was ringo star yeah ringo star Star. so (laughs) so my view is that the beatles were open to astrology they did speak about it they hired an astrologer it was part of their lives um but it wasn't as developed obviously it wasn't a major focus but there was certainly openness to it
0: yeah all right so i i I think i want to end i know i know there's there's like some really cool goodies that you discovered as you were writing your book and you don't want to give them away but how about just one how about how about just one little teaser nugget at the end of this first episode that'll make people go
1: Okay, all right. Okay, well, point me in the direction that you
0: I w- get. I want you, to, I, want you, I want you to turn off your mind, relax, float downstream, and see <laughs> what's the first thing that comes in. Like, what's the first thing that comes
1: in that okay. you should share right now? Okay, I will. That song. Turn off your mind,
2: relax, and float downstream.
1: Tomorrow never knows. All right. Um, that song holds central importance in this study. Um, we in the next episode, we're going to talk about this arc of awakening, and it rises up the proverbial mountain like a bell curve. It gets to the top, and then it comes down. The song at the very peak is Tomorrow Never Knows. And John actually said, you know, that he wanted his voice to sound like uh, the Tibetan monks or the Dalai Lama chanting from the mountaintop. And that song is on the proverbial mountaintop. And that song is uh, very much a inspired vision and it wraps up, synthesizes the major lyrical threads uh, very beautifully. And we will, I'm certain, um, have an entire show on that song, uh, Tomorrow Never Knows, um, because it is the vision from the mountaintop. And um Is there any,
0: any particular lines in there that you want to highlight?
1: Okay. I will say um, after the line that you opened with, uh, relax your mind and float downstream. It is not dying. Um, He says, uh, surrender to the void. It is shining and it is shining. And one of the major threads of the book is about the sun Itself, which connects in with astrology, there's 38 what I call solar songs that mention something about the sun, which brings us to astrology and the idea of awakening. And in that song, it is shining, it's about relaxing into the shining void, which is basically your soul presence without the rational mind, without distraction, is that we're held within this energetic. Solar container of awareness and the use of solar words in Beatles lyrics uh, point to specific facets of spiritual awakening or teachings. And my book is a discussion on how we can understand uh, things metaphysically because, you know, really where we're going with this book, the spiritual dimension of the Beatles points to a spiritual dimension. And my view is that, and the astrology backs this up, this is the point of the book, is that they were connecting with things beyond them. This, yeah. They were conduits for message. And I'm interpreting this through the lens of astrology. And that song is one of the most inspired of the whole catalog.
0: And, and, and the only one that I'm going to add to that, and I'm not going to uh, <laughs> steal your thunder, but the song Yesterday, that Paul McCartney says he woke up with that song in his head and he went around and he asked people, have you heard this before? Why, why have I heard this before? That, that what you discovered in your studies with, was that there was very likely, what the astrology said, connection between the Beatles and another dimension. Uh, other information coming from, from beyond that, the other side of the veil. Fascinating idea.
1: Yeah. And not just yesterday, but both John and Paul have statements about a number of their songs where they say I'm uncomfortable taking ownership or authorship of this. Like Paul with yesterday, John said the same thing about across the universe. Uh, Nowhere man is another one that John says just came to him. Uh, And several other Paul uh, songs is that um, they were plugged into something Hmm. and we're going to talk about the idea of the muse a lot, but we're not going to get into it now at the end of this no, show, but no. the muse actually plays a big role with all
0: of this. Are Are you going to be talking about reincarnation?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Are you going to be talking about souls? Sure. Are you going to be talking about God? Sure. Are you going to be talking about love? A lot. All right. Spiritual we're going to dimension talk about of the Beatles.
1: <laughs> everything. And You know, so hopefully people can get a sense of who we are that, you know, we are just fellow seekers on the path. We are fellow Beatles fanatics. Um, We are works in progress like the rest of us. And we're just kind of figuring things out um, from the lens of perception that we have. And so, what I like to offer is that everything that this book is about, everything we're going to be talking about, is an hypothesis. It's not given to say, this is the way it is. Yeah. It's saying, "Oh my goodness, these questions emerge when we look at the astrology." What yeah. do you think? Yeah. And so, the spirit of the book is is very much offering possibilities yeah. rather than declarations.
0: I'm glad. I'm glad you said that because that's generally just how I approach life. You know that all I have to ever offer anybody is just my perspective of things, which no one else has. But, right. I, but I, can't, I can't then go, well, my perspective is the way that things are. No, this is how I see things. These are the questions that I ask. Um, and I know that's what you're doing, too. And you've got this wealth of experience and this really interesting
1: take from, from, from who you are and what you do. Um, it's going to be really a fun ride. Thank you, Glenn. And thank you for partnering with me with this and doing all of the technical wizardry mm. that you do because I'm not that uh, adept at those things. Yeah. Uh, so thank you. And I'm well, really looking forward to how this is going to unfold. We're going to have fun. And um, and here's to that. All right.
2: Cool. We talking Spiritual
0: dimension of the Beatles. Thank you for listening to the Spiritual Dimension of the Beatles podcast with Eric Myers and me, Glenn Ostland. If you like what you just heard, please give us a five-star rating and write a nice review for us on iTunes. You can also like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Look for Eric's book, The Spiritual Dimension of the Beatles, coming sometime in early 2021. And while you're waiting, why not go check out my book, Bathing with God, which is available on Amazon.com. Or you could go listen to my other really great podcast, also called Bathing with God. And hey, if you've got a question that you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, find us at our Facebook page, or simply email us at spiritualbeetles at gmail.com. That's spiritualbeetles at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, because in the end the love you take is equal, you know the rest.